This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Let's start with the breaking news from China. And the China Central Bank has lowered the five-year loan prime rate. Why have they done this? So they've done it in order to try and stimulate the economy ultimately. Now, in reality, the rate was inevitable based on the fact that the PBOC actually lowered its uh, reverse repo rate and its medium-term lending facility last week. So that effectively laid the groundwork for a cut to both the one year and the five year loan prime rate uh, today. The one year was cut by five basis points. The five year was cut by 15 basis points. Now that's significant because most loans are based off the one year loan prime rate, but most mortgage uh, rates are actually based off the five year loan prime rate. So what this cut basically does is it shows that there is a very much targeted measure to this. And this comes after a point in which China has very much been cracking down on the property industry because of high leverage and unsustainable debt levels. And obviously everything that's happened with Evergrande over the course of the last 18 months and other property companies as well. On the back of that, that crackdown has really caused a lot of damage to sentiment really ultimately in China, resulting in a point now where we're seeing mortgage boycotts because people are buying effectively off plan paying their mortgages but don't know if this property is ever ultimately going to be finished because people buying new properties off plan is effectively funding the future uh, the, the future building of uh, of new properties in order to be able to be sold. So we've got this kind of crisis of confidence effectively in China right now. And when you combine that with the pandemic and the fact that zero COVID is still the core policy in China, which means we still see restrictions, we're still seeing lockdowns, confidence has very much been undermined. So we've got a situation in which the authorities don't want to drive more inflation. Inflation is below its upper bound 3% target, uh, so nowhere near as bad as it is in many other countries, but also the PBOC is abundantly aware of the issues that other central banks and other countries around the world are facing and don't join uh, them in having such an issue, but it still needs to stimulate the economy. So we saw this 10 basis point cut to the reverse repo and they what uh, the 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 mlf last week and that's led to the cut that we've seen this week again but very much targeted towards the kind of longer term uh, debt financing and therefore the mortgage uh, the, the the mortgage sector um in order to try and revive the property uh, industry and provide some support and confidence um now, what's interesting about this is the fact that it's just too small. There's no way that this is going to make a big difference. If you look at some of the lending data and the credit data recently from China, there isn't a lack of supply. There isn't a lack of liquidity in these markets. There's a lack of demand. And is demand really going to change from a 15 basis point cut in the loan prime rate to 4.3%? No, of course it isn't. I think a lot more needs to be done. And yet the PBOC wants to be seen to be doing something while also treading carefully, trying to almost get the best of both worlds. But in fact, I think probably going to get the worst of both instead. So this isn't really going to revive the industry. I think a lot more measures are going to be needed. Uh, Whether we get them is another thing because it seems that like everywhere else, they're in a bit of a difficult situation right now. So this is a sign potentially of more to come in in terms of these minor rate cuts between now and the end of the year, maybe a triple R rate cut as well. Uh, but ultimately, I think the, the 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 size and substance of it just doesn't really match what is needed in order to try and revive that part of the economy and the economy as a whole, especially if they want to achieve a five and a half percent growth target, which looks almost impossible at this point. And does this have any bearing at all 
on what could happen to the Western markets, Europe and the United States. We are, of course, increasing rates quite rapidly at the moment, particularly in the United States. Uh, China's going the other way. Is this a clue of what might be to come? Well, it's kind of one of the reasons, I think, why they are treading carefully, because when central banks around the world, like the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, etc., are tightening monetary policy, it's an effective loosening, additional loosening of policy for central banks that are either doing nothing or cutting. Uh, and the impact that you see on the exchange rate is there for all to see. The most, uh, the most obvious uh, of those, of course, is the Turkish Central Bank, uh, which is cutting rates into high inflation. I don't know if you saw this story last week. The CBRT cut interest rates, surprised everyone um, by cutting interest rates by four, by 1% from 14 to 13%, even though inflation is 80%. So... Um, We've, they've they've taken them so they've taken this very uh, inept appearance uh, and 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 gone that step further. Other central banks like uh, the PBOC, which are taking a more cautious approach and have far far lower inflation, are still um, are still taking a prudent and cautious cautious approach. The Bank of Japan uh, is still seeing very low levels of inflation, so it's kind of standing pat. But again, the currency does feel the impacts of that, and therefore it is almost an effective uh, loosening from that perspective. So I think that's one of the reasons why the PBOC is ultimately treading carefully. So that's where the actions of other central banks does have an impact on what it does. But obviously it's not going to let that dictate its policy so much, but it can't be something that it ignores either. Meanwhile, Craig, European markets are down today. Is that possibly connected with this news about Nord Stream 1 and some maintenance work which has been announced? I think so. I think, I mean, it's always hard to say exactly what is driving the moves that we are seeing. I mean, we've seen declines across Asia as well, and the US is also opening lower. So I don't think we can attribute entirely to uh, to something that which primarily uh, impacts Europe, but I don't think it's helping sentiment. We saw last week the end of a winning streak, like a late summer winning streak for, uh, for stock markets, lasting around four weeks in most cases. Uh, so last week was the first negative week, so maybe a little bit of nervousness going into the Jackson Hole event later on this week. But these stories obviously don't help. Now, just for some perspective, Nord Stream 1's only running at 20% because of various turbine and sanction-related issues and disputes between uh, between the European authorities and Siemens and Canada and, uh, and, and of course, uh, Russia and Gazprom. And so it, it's not like we're talking about an enormous loss here. And also... It's something that could and in theory should only last a few days. So this wasn't really a schedule maintenance, like a 10-day maintenance period before. This is uh, an unexpected um, series of maintenance. It's expected to last three days. But every time we see these types of issues, all of a sudden it drives speculation, as you can imagine. What's the core driver of these supposed maintenance problems? Why is it popping up now? Is it going to last much longer than three days? Is this going to be used uh, by the Kremlin and by Gazprom to justify a more prolonged period of outages, further creating the squeeze on Europe going into an important winter period? European stores of natural gas are just over three quarters full. That's still below the kind of 90% threshold which they would like it to be at going into this time of the year. So we're still going to see high prices. We're still going to see uh, constant speculation. A lot of folks on things like the weather, for example, as to what's going to drive uh, the use of natural gas uh, across Europe and whether we are going to therefore see blackouts or we are going to see rationing, etc. This is something that 
in theory, uh, and, and, and as if as if this speculation is to be believed, this is obviously something that the Kremlin wants to continue to see as a retaliation for uh, sanctions. They want to continue to squeeze on Europe throughout this winter period. So the, that, that's why there is the suggestion that this is an intentional thing. And when I say suggestion, I mean directly from Europe as well as throughout the markets, that this is a very intentional uh, move by the Kremlin and Gazprom to ensure that the squeeze continues on Europe going into this winter. Prices remain high and the pressure remains on. We'll only know after the three-day maintenance is complete how much the pressure is going to be ramped up. Finally, Craig, let's talk about cryptocurrency. Of course, Bitcoin had a particularly bad last few days, but a mild recovery today across the board. Yeah, very mild. It was interesting, actually. The sell-off on Friday came as a bit of a surprise. It happened early in the session. We saw a very sharp and sudden decline in the Bitcoin price. Now, we should note that it had been losing momentum in the run-up to that in recent weeks. We'd seen it pushing towards 25,000, and each time there was less momentum behind the move. So it did look like it was kind of prone or preparing maybe for a bit of a corrective move, but the the short and sharp nature of that decline, I think, did catch people off guard. So it fell around 10% at one point on Friday, and then it kind of stayed around its lows in the weekend, coming close towards $20,000. I don't know if this is nervousness pre-Jackson Hole at the end of the week and what the Fed could or could not say, whether this is just some natural profit-taking, whether it's a resumption of the downtrend, and actually the corrective move took part between middle of June and middle of August. This will only become clear, really, it's part of a broader markets thing over the course of the next few weeks. There's been many people that saying risk assets have pushed too far over the course of the last uh, few weeks, uh, well, over the course of the last few months, really, um, during that kind of recovery trade. And now we're going to see that really put to the test. And maybe the narrative that we get from the Fed later this week is going to set us up for how the next few weeks is going to trade going into the FOMC. But it has been an interesting move and it just shows that volatility is still very much there in cryptocurrencies and we could continue to see another burst of volatility over the course of this week. Okay, Craig, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll speak to you again soon. You too. Thanks a lot. This is the Oanda Podcast.